Another thing that a hospital can do is to have a, a door sticker so that if the newborn is placed, you know, in another room with an adoptive couple and that child is rooming in with them, that there's a door sticker um, to kind of alert anyone that might enter the room that, there's, that the child's not in the room. This is Caring for Both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where experts offer insights on what it means to provide evidence-based, life-affirming health care to both pregnant women and their preborn children. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. This is part two of a two-part conversation about adoption with board-certified family physician Dr. Lisa Gilbert. In part one of this conversation, we discuss things like the demographics of women who make adoption plans for their children, as well as the reasoning that goes into an adoption decision. In this next part of our conversation, we're going to go into what physicians need to know about the adoption system, some tips for how to navigate the adoption conversation with patients, and more. Let's jump into it. You've just provided a, a good amount of, of helpful information uh, about how the adoption process works, but I'd love to know what else might medical professionals need to know about the adoption system? Well, so I mentioned the closed versus open adoption, and there's also, I think, semi-open and semi-closed, and there's a variety of ways that adoption is done. Um, a closed adoption is where the um, the child really has no further contact with the birth parent and, and, the, and the adoptive couple doesn't usually either. They, they may reach out uh, for, you know, questions about genetic issues in the family or something like that. Um, but even that, they may not have any contact whatsoever with that uh, birth mom after delivery. And that's actually become a lot more rare. Um, that used to be the norm, um, but is, is pretty rare now. Most of the time they are open or semi-open. And that's where um, there can be different different ways of doing this, but either the woman has a chance to meet with um, the child uh, from time to time, maybe on holidays, maybe two or three times a year. Maybe they exchange letters. Um, there's different ways of, of organizing how they want to, to create an open adoption. Um, and uh, that is, is, is the norm at this point. And so you can let a woman know, like, you can continue to have a relationship with this child um, that being said, um, just because I, I have, I also know uh, people who um, are adoptive couples. There are times where an open adoption may become closed if that woman is becoming a destabilizing factor in that child's life. Um, maybe if the woman is 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 using heavy substances and shows up to those visitations on, um, you know, having used some substances or is, um, you know. In, in some way being inappropriate with that child, um, there's actually no, you know, legal recourse for her to, you know, maintain that openness if the adoptive couple decides, you know, this is, this is really no longer in the best interest of our child. They may um, change that to a, a, a semi-open or a semi-closed or a closed adoption. Um, so I think that's one thing to know. And the other thing is, even in the fact of a closed adoption, there's so much direct-to-consumer genetic testing and the internet that it, it's actually 
somewhat likely that that child will um, later on in life try to find their biological parents. And that um, may or may not be welcome by that, um, that particular birth mom or um, birth father or the extended family. Um, so it's something just to, to be aware of that even if she chooses a closed adoption and she really doesn't want that to be known, it, there, there's still a possibility for that in, in kind of today's uh, era. Another thing just to be aware of is um, that a, a woman needs to know she can pick a family based on whatever factors are important to her. She can choose based on, you know, cultural preferences, race or, race or ethnicity or language or the distance to her. She may want somebody who's out of state, you know, um, or she may want somebody who's in the local community. Um, so that's also important um, that she is empowered to know that she has the ability and, and there's often many, many couples that are looking that um, she can usually, um, you know, go through those and, and hopefully find a couple that, that fits with what she values and what she thinks is really important for her. Um, and, you know, if, if she's ever on the fence about maybe, um, you know, pursuing uh, reunification with her child down the road, um, within the foster care system, you know, visitations are often very, you know, specific and controlled and, um, and only at very set times, whereas like with open adoption, um, she can also, you know, make, make plans with that couple outside of the governmental system as to how often she wants to meet. Thank you so much, Dr. Gilbert. It's certainly helpful to know uh, the flexibility and the variety of outcomes that there might be in the relationship between a birth mom and, and her child. Pivoting a little bit uh, back to, you had alluded previously to some things that physicians should and shouldn't say when uh, discussing the adoption option with their patient. Do you have any other advice for what that conversation should look like? Well, I don't, I don't know other than the language issue that there's like a specific right way or wrong way to, to bring it up. It, it obviously depends on your relationship with that patient, how long you've had a relationship with them. Um, I, I do think it's important to ask, you know, was this pregnancy expected or not? Um, as we know, there's, you know, a lot of unplanned pregnancies that are very much desired and, and wanted. So um, I usually use, was this, was this pregnancy expected and how are you feeling about it? Um, where, where are you at with this process? And usually from that, she'll, she'll give you an idea of whether this is something that she's um, excited about or, or something that maybe she's um, a little bit nervous about or, or maybe just is, is not happy about at all. Um, and then from there, you can um, guide the conversation either in that conversation or future conversations with her. How are you doing with it now? You know, and, and if she's still, you know, expressing some hesitation about, um, how she's going to be able to manage as a parent. You can always also, you know, mention at that point, um, have you considered the option of, of adoption? Is that something that fits in your worldview? Or is that something that um, sounds um, like it would be a plan for you? And she, most, I, th I feel like most patients know pretty, pretty quickly whether that is something that they would consider or not. Um, if she says, no, absolutely not, you can say, that's fine. If you ever want to talk about it, if you want more resources, I have resources and, and we can address that. Um, if she is interested, then again, just having those resources and knowing um, how to guide that conversation um, based on her questions can be really helpful. Um, she may be starting from scratch and really have no idea um, what her next steps would be. And those next steps usually are connecting her, if you have a social worker, with a social worker in your office, or if you have two or three adoption agencies or two or three attorneys, um, then that can be um, kind of a, a, 
easy avenue for her to, you know, pick one of those, call them. And usually they will meet with her, obviously, outside of your office setting and begin to discuss with her and answer her questions. Um, there are some online resources as well um, that, you know, she can um, look at. Um, and um, one of them is called Brave Love. She can watch some videos about whether or not, um, you know, this seems like something that she could pursue and kind of envision. I think part of it is just allowing her to envision a positive adoption experience if that's something that she's expressing interest in. And so, again, just using that language that that portrays it as something that's maybe going to be in her best interest and in the best interest of her child if she's open to that. Um, Applog is coming out with a... Um, uh, committee uh, opinion on this. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, and um, that will also provide some more resources for how to have this conversation with patients and how to um, guide that conversation along throughout the prenatal care. Uh, the other thing I would say is just really important to recognize that a lot of women do go back and forth on their decision throughout their prenatal uh, care time. So, you know, until she signed those papers after delivery, um, she has the right to, you know, change her mind. And the important thing I think for you as a clinician is to provide her with honest information about what will happen after delivery. So if she's in a situation where you are certain that unless something changes, she's not going to be legally able to take that newborn home with her. I do think she needs to know that. Like if she's, um, you know, needing to get into a, a substance abuse treatment center before delivery, because she really wants to parent, if she's got a lot of, um, social issues and she's really wanting to parent, then having a, a real honest conversation with her saying, you know, unless something changes, you're not going to be going home with a newborn. How can, how can we help you with this? You know, how can I help you get to the point either where you feel like you're going to be in a safe place to parent or, um, you know, are you open to having um, a, a conversation about adoption? And, and is that something that you'd be open to? Absolutely. It's important that medical professionals be prepared to uh, walk alongside their patient as much as is appropriate uh, and, and give them the information that they need about the full breadth of their of their options and, and potential outcomes for, for the pregnancy. Pivoting quickly to uh, something that, that might help medical professionals understand what the, the full breadth of, of their options are, we often talk about, you know, the, the three pregnancy options being uh, abortion, adoption, and uh, caring and parenting. But um, from your experience, is there, is, are there any fourth or fifth options that people should be aware of um, so that they, they're, they're really fully informed making these decisions? Well, I think the other one um, is, the, is the foster care system, but specifically what's called kinship care. And so most foster um, care agencies are do try to to do this, where um, if if a child is removed from custody um, or is not allowed to go home with the mom after after birth, um, initially that child will go usually to an emergency foster care placement while they're working on um, finding the the closest kin that would be able to care for that child. Um, and there's you know some some hoops that they have to jump through in terms of certification and, and that. Now, if a woman knows ahead of time that she's not going to be able to parent, but wants to parent, she can already select in advance, and, and they can get some of that lined up ahead of time, so that um, you know maybe maybe that child will be going home with her mom as opposed to going to an emergency foster placement for several weeks while the, you know, while the system is, is trying to figure out who would be the best person that's closest to the patient in terms of family or friends um, to be able to foster that child, assuming that she's 
able to to uh, to make a plan for re- reunification. So um, so that would be kind of her her third option, and you could certainly talk to her about that because some of those you know classes and and home inspection and some of that that would need to be done could be done in advance of delivery, and then it's a much smoother process for that child to then go to maybe aunt and uncle um, that you know live in town or. Um, or some other situation. And then again, um, the goal being uh, hopefully reunification. And then if not, then then uh, potentially that, that family would be able to then just officially adopt the child. That's really helpful to know, just so physicians and their patients are aware. What do you think medical professionals, uh, other than, you know, what, what you've, you've previously said, uh, what do you think medical professionals can do to support prospective or current birth mothers? Well, I think the, the main things just to kind of reiterate, empowering language, providing accurate information, not pressuring or shaming patients, asking kind of open-ended questions, and then keeping her focused on the long term. What's going to be best for you in the long term? What's going to be best for you for the child in the long term? Um, but another area I think is uh, is creating an adoption birth plan. Sometimes adoption agencies will do this with a patient, but I think it's helpful if they do that, that at least that you're aware. And if not, that you create your own and Applog's going to have one of these that you can also print off and go through with the patient. And it just um, provides information um, for you as to what's going to happen immediately after delivery. Does she want skin to skin? Does she want to room in with her baby or does she want the, the baby to room in with the adoptive couple? Um, does she, you know, she's still fully the legal mother. So does she want to do the baby meds after delivery? Does she want a circumcision? Does she want to name the child? Or does she want all of that to be done by the uh, adoptive couple? Um, some, some women actually want to breastfeed. They want to have that bonding with their child. So at least being aware of that um, ahead of time or having her have time to process through, like, what do I envision this to look like immediately after delivery and for the rest of the time that I'm in the hospital um, is really important um, to, to have documented. Um, she can certainly change that, um, but at least that allows you some of that information. It also allows you to know what you can, what information you can release to the adoptive couple. Say that she ends up having to go back for a C-section unexpectedly or there's some other complication um, does she want any of that information to be passed along to the adoptive couple? Does she want them in the room for the delivery? Um, there's a lot of different ways that I've seen it done. So um, that would be another um, important thing just to talk about um, if, if she's pretty committed to her adoption plan. Definitely. That's that's important. Um, at a more institutional level, uh, what do you think hospitals and maybe clinics can do to support birth mothers? The biggest thing, I suppose, is just education of staff in all of the things that that we kind of talked about, um, the importance of of empowering language. Um, Another thing that a hospital can do is to have a a door sticker so that if the if the uh, if the newborn is placed, you know, in another room with an adoptive couple and that child is rooming in with them, that there's a door sticker um, to kind of alert janitors and, and staff and anyone that might enter the room that there's that the child's not in the room. Because I think that can be a bit traumatizing if everyone's asking, oh, where's the baby? And she's having to sort of re-explain her situation to, you know, the, the person maybe who's dropping off food or, or, or somebody else who's visiting. Um, and so that, that can be helpful. Um, also, like I mentioned, just a hospitals allowing adoptive couples to room in. Um, I would assume most hospitals do this, but I think that that can be really helpful because a lot of, some of them are are first-time parents and and they are learning just as much as any, you know, um, postpartum mom as to how to feed the baby and, 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 and baby's cues and how to wake up. Um, 
for feedings and all of that. So that can be really important um, for, for that bonding time as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Gilbert. You've provided so much uh, really important information. Uh, what resources might you recommend on this topic for medical professionals who are interested in learning more? You mentioned uh, our upcoming uh, committee opinion that we're about to publish. Where might people find that and other resources? Well, you can find that. Um, you will be able to find that as soon as we've got it um, uploaded um, on our AppLog um Website. We also have a toolkit that's going to be coming that has um, some information for how to train staff on some of these um, important areas that I talked about. Um, and um, so that is is coming as well. Um, ACOG has a, has a really good committee opinion, I feel like, on adoption with some specific information. Um, and so that would be one just to read through. Um, of course, we uh, at AppLog are, are life affirming. So um, we uh, we do look at you know the best interest of that of that prenatal child as well, um, but um, but I do recommend that committee opinion for having some really good resources uh, for physicians. Um, there's Lifeline, um, which um, has um, been really helpful for me in learning about this uh, topic, and then um, a, a number of, of websites uh, online that we can link in the in the um, in the notes for this podcast. Absolutely. And yeah, we'll be sure to, to link those uh, resources in the notes. Um, Dr. Gilbert, thank you so much for being here today and for offering all your insights. Thanks so much. This was great. And a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review on whatever podcast app you're using to listen. If you have any topic requests, you can reach out to us on social media via the links in the description of this episode or via email at info at aaplog.org. If you're a medical professional interested in joining the AppLog community, we'd love to have you become a member by going to aaplog.org join. We exist to support your pro-life practice. We will see you next week.